Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. In this world, Father, your church is a glorious, a glorious example of your favor and your victories to all the earth, Lord. For all those suffering defeat and loss and brokenness, you are the place of refuge. You're the place of victory, Lord. You're the place to put things back and work all things out, not for bad, but for good to those who are called and know, Father God, your purposes. We pray that you would bless your word this morning and there would be a seed planted in our hearts and we would uh, let that seed be cultivated, Lord, and bring forth the fruits that you so desire, Lord, that your word would not return void this morning, Father God. And we thank you for the privilege of knowing you, getting to know you, and drawing closer to you, Lord. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start out with what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Where God is trying to, verse 1, 1 Corinthians 3, 1. There is all a manner of assorted flavors and content in the house of God. And I want to tell you that God would like to speak to you as a victorious people. God would like to speak to you with, with the same tenacity that a good coach, a good trainer, a good general on the field is going to give the winning instructions to his people. And all over the Bible we see the examples. I mean, the Bible is an incredible book of uh, spectacular redemption and victories for those who follow God's way into the future. But Paul comes to this church in Corinthians and says these words, Brethren, I could not speak to you as a spiritual people. I could not give you the game plans of success. I couldn't give you the ingredients of a recipe that would be the best resulting answer and consequence to, to your life's needs to what's going on in your life. I have the game plan, but I couldn't instruct you. I couldn't speak to you. You wouldn't receive my words. You didn't have my thoughts. You didn't understand my ways. I could only come to you as carnal. I could only treat you as little children. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready, and I'm asking God, God, give me a serious mindset. Give me a mature mindset. Give me a serious mindset. Give me a mature mindset. Let me not be distracted. Let me not lose my course. Let me be focused. And these are the elements of those who overcome and win. And so we see in the house of God, does everyone win? No. Is God picking favorites? No. Do some people take God more serious than others? Yes. Do some people live giving God 110%? Yes. Do some people live giving God lukewarm 50%? Yes. Do some people give God leftovers? Yes. So how is there an expectation of great victory and return when we are contaminating and watering down the soup. You can't do that to the things of God or you have less of return. In fact, he says in verse 4, 
I'm sorry, verse 2. I fed you just the, the little things. I fed you just the, the little things. I fed you milk. I couldn't give you the big victories. I couldn't give you the solid return. I couldn't give you solid stuff, weighty stuff, impacting you know, resources. For until now, you were not able to receive it. Listen, the history shows we go into South America where people don't have bicycles or cars or houses. They're mismanaging. They're living according to selfishness. They're serving sin. They're serving mammon. And all of a sudden, they come to Jesus Christ and he starts giving the winning, the winning formula. Things God is not holding back. There's a full banquet table of God's resources and of his goodness. And these people, when they start prospering, and these people, when they start prospering, within two to three years, God opens the doors for them to have their own house. Their wife doesn't need to work anymore because the provision of God is abundant. They buy a car. And then they begin to take their family far from the house of God. They begin to plan their picnics and their beach outings and their vacations. And when you ask them, what is going on? They say, well, we decided we're too busy for God. We're too busy to sell. We decided we're too busy for God. We're too busy to serve God. So here Paul says, you're not even able to receive what God has for you. Receptive heart for everything God wants to do in your life. And I want to tell you that... That, yeah, that in this world, people are amazed that anybody would serve God full time. Because he has the provision sufficient that we would serve Him and Him alone. In a glorious, like Jesus says, it is necessary that I be about my Father's business. And a lot of us don't. A lot of us won't. A lot of us don't understand, and, and the first question is then, how will I make a living? I was talking to two real good friends on, on t uh, Wednesday, was it? Wednesday morning? I went to lunch with them, and you know what they had the audacity to ask me? How do you make your money? And you know what I told them? The same way you do. God has given you your money. Because God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. It is God who prospers us. It's God who blesses us. It is God who opens doors. And in ways that you could never even comprehend how God, like it says in Malachi 3, I will open the windows of the heavens. I will open the windows of the heavens and cause it to rain so much blessing upon you, you're not going to be able to handle it all. So they said, it's true. They had to acknowledge that it's God who blesses them. It's God who supplies bread. It is God who fills our, our, our storehouses. It's God who opens the gates. There's a, a very famous um, testimony in our church in, in Mexico. Here's what happened. This man had 300 employees. He was putting out 3,000 pairs of shoes a week. He had an incredible contract from a lady in Costa Rica. She says, you know something? I'm going to give you this contract. You're going to make for me 3,000 shoes every week. It was a large contract. And you know what that man decided to do? 
He decided to puff up. And you know what? These are the famous last words. Not even God can stop me now. I don't need God no more. I have resources. I have work. I have a client who pays me every week. Famous last words. I do this on my own. I'm a self-made man. Famous last words. Let me tell you what happened the following day that that man declared those words. A phone call came in, and it was that same lady. And she said, I don't need any more shoes from you. Thank you very much. In one second, that man lost everything he had. She didn't know he had said those words. She didn't hear those words. But God closed up that woman's heart and dried up the spring that God had provided that family. Isn't it sad that we don't know from whence comes our blessings? But Paul is saying to the Corinthians, guys, God has resources for you. You haven't been able to receive them. Your mindset is very childlike. It's very inappropriate. A childlike behavior is a selfish lifestyle. You think about me, myself, and I. So God just gives you resources for you, yourself, and I. But if you were to think like God thinks, if you would think on other priorities of the kingdom, if you walk with solid commitment to the things of God, God is going to blow you up large and in charge. I have come that you might have life and that this life might be abundant. So if you're a beggar, if you're just barely making it, you haven't come into the provision of God. In Egypt, uh, the people of Israel were serving Pharaoh. They didn't have any provision. In the desert, serving Pharaoh, they didn't have any provision. In the desert, they didn't have enough. But in the promised land, they had more than enough. More than sufficiency. More to take care of your personal reality, your hopes and your dreams. And then to, to just cast a huge portion of the goodness of God in your life towards those that are still begging. But not everybody lives like this. Not everybody uh, aims to have this their reality. So look what he says there in verse 12. There's, there's different capacities of building in the ways of God. There's, there's different... No, we're reading Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 3.12. It says... For no other foundation can be laid than has already been laid, which is Christ Jesus. Verse 12 says, but if anyone builds upon this foundation, there's six elements. Are you building? Are you a premium gold member of the house of God? Are you living with excellence? Are you giving the best of your time, your talents, and your treasures to God? Answer, no. Why are you expecting great victories? Because what you excel at is what's going to be your return. God doesn't put anything on discount. You could go to Walmart and get a good discount. But in Christ, a good price has been paid. Do you know who that price is? Jesus Christ. And the fullness of his payment causes a full return for those who want the gold. But there's some of us that want the silver. You know, the silver medal is obtained by those who do not exert the energies to excel above all. Silver is for those people that 
run with a millionth of a second off to that person who wanted the prize. Silver is not something that that glows very much because you work so hard, you try so hard, you want the prize, but somebody tried harder. Somebody didn't give up more than you gave up. Somebody didn't surrender. Somebody didn't entertain a thought of doubting. Somebody had set their gaze fixed on the prize and said, ready for this? No devil in hell is going to get in the way of me getting what God has for me. Nobody's going to interfere. I was talking with a man. He wanted to sit down and talk about his pastor. He said, my pastor's a jerk. I left that church nine years ago. It didn't go well. He didn't give me a good example. He was living for other priorities. And I said, you're not where you're at because of your pastor. Your pastor doesn't interfere with what God has for you. Your pastor does not define your reality. Your pastor does not limit or hinder what God has for you. Don't talk. I don't want to talk about your pastor. I want to talk about you. How come if God has a prize for you, you are going to come up with excuses? You're going to come up with, eh. You're going to come up like the the third little pig who says, I'm going to build with hay because I'm in a hurry. I don't want to be too focused. And there in that chapter, it says gold, silver, precious stones. And the ability of these things to hold on to the weight of adversity speaks precious. If you're building with God's best, nothing's going to stand in your way. But I'm concerned that we in the house of God want to build with wood, hay, and straw. And when the fire comes, when adversity comes, we don't get more pure. We don't get more valuable. We don't become more significant. And I can tell you that those who have gone through the biggest heat of battle are the most precious among us. The ones that have the enduring realities of having overcome despite hell and high water. Those are the most precious amongst God's people. But there's some that start shriveling up like a plastic straw when hardship comes. And they're like, they look like the witch of the Wizard of Oz. They just melt into a puddle of undesirable liquid. Because they did not stand in the heat of battle. And we were created to stand. After all the heat, after all the hardship, like the three boys that went into fiery oven, they said, even if God does not deliver us, He is still God. And we will not bow down. And they stood the heat of that fiery oven. And I want to witness today. Are you going to build with gold? Are you going to build with precious stones? Are you going to build with silver? Or are you just barely putting your life in Christ together? They teach you how to tithe and you can't get it. I don't understand that. I don't understand that concept. Listen, if you build the way God wants you to build, you're going to see what God intended. You're going to see the glories of God you never imagined. If you think according to your thoughts, then you're a puny midget. But if you live according to the thoughts of God, You are a glorious giant. 
And the whole earth will see the realities of those who took courage to live for God. It was at the beginning of this year that I shared the testimony of a nine-year-old little girl. And her mother came into the room and says, so-and-so, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to go here, you need to finish. And you know what she says? No, mom, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do my own thing. I got my own ideas. I got my own plans. How glorious could be the plans of a nine-year-old girl? How significant could be the thoughts of someone who at the age of nine is trying to play mommy? So when I saw that incredible scene, I went over to this nine-year-old girl and I said, could I ask you a question? How would you like to have a nine-year-old mommy? She says, no. We wouldn't conceive letting a nine-year-old run our household. Well, that's the same mindset that happens when those of you hear the word of God and then you raise up your own counsel to try to play God in your life. Uh, the famous last words is, how could I? And you raise up your own counsel to try to play God in your life. Uh, the famous last words is, how could I? How could I listen to God? He's stretching me too much. You know what I've learned to say? How could, I, how could I not? How could I not listen to God? How could I not live like he wants me to live so that I could see and be all that he wants me to be? I don't think that God wanted to give you a good religion. I think God wanted to build your life so that it would be a memorial for legacies of a thousand years of those who saw you, who knew you. You left a memorial of those who lived like God wanted us to live. So it says, be careful how you build. Be careful what materials you use. If church is at Wednesday at 8 o'clock, do you get to your work late also? No, I just don't show up. Yeah, right. If you don't show up, you get fired. Anybody that wasn't showing up on time? But they're supposed to give you a raise. They're supposed to say, if you feel better, take two hours off in the morning. Don't come at, at that No. But see, in the house of God, we get here late. We pick and choose the days we're going to serve. We, we, we pick and appoint. We're not listening to the Spirit of God. We're not doing what God wants us to do. And then the, thus the evidence of the, the finality of our embarrassing Christian life. There are Muslims. There are Buddhists. There are yogis. There are all sorts of false religions that would not think, would not even for a second entertain not showing up on the day that they were appointed to show up. They would not because they serve their gods with excellence. It's only us in the house of God. We say, hey, we're taking six months off. Oh, really? You're taking six months off? Really? Why don't you go try that with your boss? Tomorrow, get to your work and tell your boss, I've decided to take six months off. Is that okay? We can only do this in the house of God. We only do this to God. We don't do this to anyone else. And thus, the Bible says there in verse 13, the work, the faithfulness, the dedication of each one will become clear. 
Well, how's that happen? Nobody knew that I stopped. Nobody noticed I was getting here late. Nobody knows, you know, I'm not giving my tithes. I'm not, I'm not dedicating my talents. I'm not serving God. I have no treasure. I have no fruit. How, how will it be clear? Because the day will declare it. God is going to show forth what you're building. How? It'll be revealed by fire. What fire? The fire that will teach each one's work to find out what was the depth of your walk with the Lord. What was your devotion? Because the Bible says that in the day of your strength, it will be tested by adversity, by difficulty. And I love to see men and women of God in the heat of fire. That's when we're at our best. That's when we're most glorious because we're doing the character of Christ. We're living like God wants us to live. We don't freak out. We don't, we don't fear. We don't run. The fire is going to test each one. And if you're in the training period and you're goofing off and you're not taking things serious and you take other things more serious, the day of that conflict of the adversity, that's going to determine where you have built, how you have built. Um, the story of a man who was drafted to go to Vietnam. And he says, I don't want to go to the real war, so I will volunteer for the training. And they said, if you don't want to go to the war, we have uh, jungle warfare training. And it's a 90-month, a 90-day, three-month period where we're going to train you to survive in the jungles. It won't be the real jungles. It won't be war, but we'll throw you in Brazil. And you have to live there for 90 days. He says, I'd rather be in Brazil for 90 days than in Vietnam fighting a war. So he took off to the jungle. When he came back from the jungle, they said, we have another training class for those of you that want to learn how to do um, uh, helicopter combat. And it's a training for 90 days, and it'll be in California, and we'll train you how to propel from a helicopter behind the enemy lines. It won't be the real enemy lines, but you'll be in training. He says, I'll go there too. So the man was training, training, training for everything that was not the real war. He came back from the helicopter school, and they said, we want to know who wants to be trained at deactivating landmines. He wanted more training. He didn't want to go to the real war. So they took him out to the land fields, to the landmine fields, and they started teaching him how to dig up landmines and how to deactivate them. And when he was in that school of training, there was another young man in that school of landmine training. And, and what happened is that... That young man, the other young man, never came to class, never listened to the instructor when he came to class. And then when he was going out to do the practice, he was always good. So this other young man who was quite wise to avoid going to war for so long, and now he wasn't going to blow up in his practice school of landmines, he told that other young man, could you do me a favor and get the hell away from me? Get out of anywhere in my vicinity where your foolishness is going to cause my demise. How many think that's smart? Super wise. So he says, look, see over there, there's a landmine. Go and practice on that one. Leave me alone with mine. Because I don't want to be with a fool when we're doing things so serious. 
And sure enough, the man went over there, and within 30 seconds, he blew up. And he blew up, not only did he blow up, and I don't know if it was a real landmine or if it's a mock landmine, but the force of that mine came and filled him up with blood, the guy that was away from him, and pushed him back some places for where he was. So if that man would have worked on that landmine, both of them would have suffered loss. So I'm saying that these things are much too serious to be accompanied by a fool. I don't want to hang out with a Christian that doesn't love Jesus Christ. I don't want to hang out with a Christian that gives less to Christ than what Christ deserves. I want to hang out with those people that want to live for Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. I want to show forth to this world what it says in 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 16. This is the challenge I have for you this day. That you're building with the best and you're willing to show the rest what the best is. And look what 2 Kings 10, 16 says, my favorite verse. Come, ride with me. Come and look at my life. Look where I spend my talents. Look where I spend my treasures. Look where I spend my talents. Come and see how I love the Lord. Come and see how Jesus Christ is better than any dead religion, than any Muslim, than any hobby, than any sports club, than any interaction I might have. Come with me and observe. You don't have to hear it no more. I don't want to preach to you no more. I want you to see it in my life, how much I love God. And this is the time for that. The music you listen to, the friends you have, the Bible says if you're friends with this world, you're not a friend for, with God. So you could come to church all you want. I know you're not a friend from God. You're not God's friend. God considers you his enemy. Why? Because to love the world is to be an enemy with God. And so these are strong words, but let's not play games. Let's settle it once and for all because Christ is about to return. And he's going to return for those that are his. And he will be testing in these times, and we said it at the beginning of this year, um, January 3rd, Sunday of this year, 2010, I told you and God told me, I told you what God told me, which is it was going to be an intense year and everybody was going to be tried to see if they were truly solid. See if you were truly a Christian. See if you were truly dedicated to God. See if you did love the house of God, love the people of God, love your ministry in the house of God. And it's been an excruciating year to see and witness the loss of those who went around puffed up thinking they were strong to see God go and pop their little bubble, their little appearance of how they love God. They don't love God. Come with me and see my life. Come with me and look at how I serve God. So they had him ride his chariot. Are you prepared to bring people into your chariot? Are you prepared to bring people into your house? Are you prepared to let people see your pocketbook, where your money goes? That's your true God. That's who you truly serve, where your largest investment is. The other day, the accountant asked me and my wife to chase down some checks in 2008. There's like six or seven checks. They were, they were you know, we were trying to find out the placement of, of our different uh, expenses. And my wife went to the bank and she ordered 10 checks and six of them for significant sums were all to the work of God. And my wife says, where a man's heart is, that's where his treasure is. Where a man places his treasure, that's where his heart is. And I want to encourage you today 
to make God your God, to make Christ your Lord, to give God the best so that you could have the best return. But don't have an expectation of the best return when you have given God leftovers like we saw on that video this morning. Let's stand up this morning. And you know something? I wish that the fire of God would come in this place and perfect us all. How many say amen? I wish that God himself would come down and speak to us of how he longs for us to serve him with excellence. We have so many friends have lost thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars in the stock market that could have been a blessing to the house of God. I say this to your shame. You trusted more in the stock market than you did in the faithfulness of a God who rewards those who bring into the house of the Lord their provision. God wants to bless you. God wants to hold you out as a person that blesses the house of God. We were reading this week the verse in Chronicles that says, I will bring back to the house of God the plunders of my triumph and success. It says it there in Chronicles. I want you to read. This will be the last verse today. 1 Chronicles 26, 27. Out of the winnings, out of the spoils, out of the, 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 the victories that the Lord gives me, that I win in battle, I will, be, I will dedicate them and maintain them in the house of the Lord. Whatever victory God gives you, bring back the crown to the feet of Jesus. Bring back the returns of great accomplishments to the house of God. Tell God, let me live for your glory. Let my finances, my family, my future all reflect not the goodness of a good investment, but the goodness and the faithfulness of God. The glory of a God that wants to give you the best, has given you the best, wants to continue to give you the best. He doesn't want you to be a beggar. He doesn't want you to be a runaway. He doesn't want you to withdraw, but to press forward. And I, I, I told somebody, I told somebody recently, your faith is going to be tested. It's going to come down to God or that other thing. You're going to have to choose. God's going to take you down to that choice. God alone or that other thing. And many times I had that take place in my career. I said, Lord, I want to lose all things that I might gain you. And look, I'm still around. I'm still around and God has been so abundant and good and he wasn't thinking like I was thinking and I'm glad I wasn't thinking like I was thinking. I transferred my thoughts. I wasn't conformed to this world. I was transformed by the renewing of the knowledge that if you honor God, he will honor We read Psalm 91 verse 7 on Wednesday. 10,000 shall fall at your side. A thousand shall fall at your other side. Look what it says there. Read it with me, please. A thousand may fall at your side and at your right, but it shall not come near to you. That's 11,000 people have fallen and you're still standing. You know why? Because you abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You abide in the presence of God, honoring God, and He sees what no one sees. Whatever you do in secret, He's going to reward you in public. Praise God for the faithfulness of God. Father, we give you thanks this morning. Lord, you want to make us winners. You've called us to be winners. Hebrews 11 is full of those men and women that are winners. Whose dedication and devotion was so severely consecrated and dedicated to you, Lord. Their thoughts were continually placed upon you, Lord. Their mouth continually worshipped you.
They were trusting in the faithful God who had the capacity to bring back returns in a marvelous way, Lord. We've said this many times before that for the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord could multiply, increase. The Lord could prosper. The Lord could give you victories. The Lord could open doors. The Lord could open the windows of the heavens. All towards those people who stand upright in his presence. I don't know what you're doing, but God does. So Father, this morning we thank you for what we have received in the house of God today. We cherish it. We also pray for those that are shunning and despise the table of the Lord. Those that are forgetful. Those that are short-sighted. Those that have fallen short of your grace, Lord. You have told us, let not us fall short, lest roots of bitterness arise, Lord. When we're not receiving the fullness of God, we start wondering why. I'll tell you why. You fell short. You didn't give God your best. Don't expect the best where you don't give your best. Don't expect a win where you compromise. Don't expect prosperity where God has pronounced curse. And he says that those that do not honor me shall be cursed with a big curse. Father, the whole earth will be filled with darkness shortly, Lord. And there will be a remnant of people that will live according to your truth. We want to be those people, Lord. We know that the way is narrower that leads to God. And broad is the way that leads to destruction. We do not want to live like this world lives, Lord. Fill us with your spirit so that we can reflect the glory of those who honor you, God. We give you thanks for being in the house of God. We give you thanks for adding those that are to be saved. We thank you for preparing those that will serve you with excellence. That they get out of their chairs and start doing something for the house of God. That they start doing something for your glory. That they would be about your business. That they would be... That they start doing something for your glory. That they would be about your business. That they would be... To their hands to the plow. So that they could be fit for the kingdom. Father, bring us up to the next level in 2011, Lord. This year, we want to see your glory. We've already seen our shame. We've already seen the efforts of our mediocrity and indifference but we want to see the glory the crowning glory of those that serve you O God and we give you thanks this morning in the house of the Lord and the people of God say amen greet one another in the love of the Lord